Well, welcome. Are you guys ready to, uh, you ready to open the Word tonight? Okay, so let's start in prayer. Father, we thank you for your life within us. We thank you for your Word that is eternal, living, powerful, able to transform us, to renew us. And we know that it's made alive by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we honor you. We thank you for being here tonight. We ask that you touch us, that you bring to us all that you have for us, that you may be revealed and glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Tonight we're going to uh, do part two of the series called A New Life, and tonight's teaching is called Renew, and uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be renewed, to be made new, and uh, this, this whole series that we're doing, we're using a, a foundational verse, a theme verse, and it's found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. You should find it right there at the beginning, at the top of your outline. Could you read it out loud with me? Revelation 21.5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. These words of God are faithful and they are true. They will not pass away. They will not diminish. They will not uh, denigrate. They, they have, no, they have no, uh, uh, no quality to them that could ever cause them to fail. They are faithful and they are true. They are absolute truth. Jesus is the truth. He is truth. All source of truth. Everything that we could ever rely on, trust in, anything that we could ever uh, bank on, everything that we could ever set our life to is the Word of God. And this Word of God was a declaration that He declared from the throne Okay, so from the throne, it, it, to almost reemphasize the fact that he is the king. He is the Lord of glory. He is the king of kings. He's not Burger King. You don't get to have it your way. He's the king of kings. And we need, to, we need to realize that everything that he says is always in the heart of a king. It is always a command. It is always a declaration that he has full anticipation, full expectation. Everything that he de declares, everything that God says he, com he commands it, so he anticipates that those are who are his, those who follow him, those who believe in him, will obey what he says. So every time we come to, to the Word of God, we need to listen with the intent to obey it. So tonight we're going we're gonna to go through some scriptures as we go through this series about what it means to have a new life in Jesus, a new life in God, a new life in Christ. And as you hear the scriptures, don't let it just uh, you know, fill your mind with, oh, that's, this is interesting. But let it fill your mind and your heart in such a way that I, I want to respond to it. I want to obey it. I want to become it. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Because he declares from the throne, this is faithful and true. Well, what did he declare? And what, what was faithful and true? And this is what uh, is bold there. And this is the theme verse for this, for this whole series. Behold, I am making all things new. And like I said last week, notice he did not say, Behold, I'm making all new things. Behold, I'm making all things new. And it's the heart of the Father, it is the nature of the Father, it is the, it is the strategy of God to take us, who we are, right where we are, and to make us new. Not to throw us away and go make something new that hasn't been before, but to make something completely new out of you. And this is, this is, this is our, uh, our theme, and this is our path, and this is our journey together as we start this new year, we begin this new decade. That, Lord, if, if these words are faithful and true, that you make all things new, 
then Lord, make me new. Make me new. Give me a new attitude. Give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. Give me a new spirit. Give me a new uh, objective. Give me a new way of, of measuring my life and what's important to me. Give me a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of believing, a new way of communicating, a new way of behaving. Make me new. Make me new the way that you would want to make me new. And we talked about last week the fact in God there is no time. He's eternal. So God is always now, and God is always new. God never gets old. He's the ancient of days, but he never gets old. He's always fresh, new, excited, vibrant, alive. Everything that he does, he does it with the sense that this is absolutely perfect. No flaw is never denigrated. It's never got old. It's never died. There's, there is no death in God. He is alive. He's alive forevermore. And the life that we receive from him is that kind of life. It's an abundant, renewed, everlasting, always fresh, always now, powerful, evergreen. How would you like to have just a brand new start like right now? Well, why not? Who says we can't? If his words are faithful and true, and this is what he does, I make all things new, then Father, make me new tonight. Make me new right now. Let your word that comes into me right now, let it renew me, okay? So this is the attitude. This is the heart in which we're approaching this word, okay? So here's your first, here's your first fill in. Last week we talked about that our new life begins with being reborn. We must be born again, born from above. And we must put on the attitude that we must be converted and become like children. And not just any children, but children of God. And that He's given us a new heart and a new spirit and that we are to use this new life to, to reveal Him and to glorify Him. Tonight we're going to start with this, this premise. We're renewed in our minds. That's your first fill-in. In our minds. We're renewed in our minds. Let's talk about our minds for a moment. What's, what's unique about your mind? What do you use your mind for? Thinking. Thinking, that's a good thing. What else do you use your mind for? Decisions? Hmm? How about memories? How about plans? Dreams, thoughts, visions, goals. You think a thought and you think a declaration. You think what you say before you say. Now, some people... Some people find themselves guilty of speaking before they think about it. But technically, that's not, you're not capable of doing such a thing. Sometimes you just think too quickly or speak too quickly before having thought about it long enough. But you must, it must be thought first before it becomes word. And if we look at this pattern, this is, this is the pattern in which God created the heavens and, earth, in heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit moved, and then God said... It's, he created it is like he thought it. And the Spirit moved upon it, and then he declared it, and it became real. It became, it became formed. Okay? And this is, this is our understanding of the, of the Father. The Father is God. He's eternal. He, he lives forever. And the spirit, the spirit moves. The Spirit wants to go that which is from just the thought or the mind of God into being expressed, and then God words. He speaks. And Jesus is the expression, the wording of God. That which was, was true about God in God's mind and moving by the Spirit actually became to a th thing where we could experience it, we can understand it. God was explained through the word Jesus. Okay, 
So if God has a mind and God is a spirit and God has word that becomes manifest, God wants to renew us in our mind because God initiates everything and it all starts in, it's hard for us to put it in these, in these uh, human factors, but it's the only way that we can relate to things. In fact, Jesus said this way, if, if you don't understand the way I explain it earthly, how are you going to understand when I explain it in the heavenly ways? So let's understand God has a mind. God thinks. God creates in his thought. It's, it's where it starts. He initiates it. And then the spirit moves and then he words. All right? So then we, if we're going to reflect from God, he's going to make me new. He's got to start where my starter is. Okay? He doesn't make us new by giving us a facelift and a tummy tuck. That's not how he makes us new. Now, some of you might like that, but that's not how he does it. He wants the renewing to start in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. Okay? Let's look at what the Word of God says. In fact, I'm going to, uh, this is Romans chapter 12. And what I have here on, on your outline is verse 2, but I'm going to start in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Romans chapter 12, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, and this is the first verse on your outline. And do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed mm -hmm. by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the, the most, uh, one of the most clearest in the Scriptures contrast between the world, the world system, the world's way of thinking, the world's way of living, the world's priorities, the world's value system. And the Bible clearly says here, According to the mercies of God, don't be conformed. Don't be brought under. Don't be uh, shaped. Don't be crushed and pressed and uh, constricted into the image or the value or the system of this world. This world will crush you. It will put, it, put you under its foot and stomp on your head. And it will devalue you and it will degrade you and it will cause you to, to plunge yourself into darkness if you follow the way, the system, the values of this world. The Bible says, don't do it. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be renewed in your mind. And when you're renewed in your mind, that brings you into the whole new way where you begin to show forth, you begin to reveal, you begin to declare, you begin to ex uh, uh, display what is good and acceptable and perfect, that which is God, the will of God. Look what it says here in, in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. What's the inner man? It, yeah, it's not like he's re renewing your liver. <laughs> Where he renews us is in our mind. The inner man, the, the thought process, the thinker in you, the soul of you, the spirit of you, the heart of you. That's, even though these, uh, these uh, vessels that we live in, these tents that we carry around, who we are inside of, they may be getting older day by day. The Bible is very clear about that, okay? 
Our, our bodies are headed towards the grave, but there's a life within us that's everlasting that will never die, and it's being renewed how often? Day by day. Every day. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a, aligned with what God says. Behold, it's faithful true. I make all things new, and he's making us new in our minds. So let's just, let's just take a moment and say, Lord, renew my mind. Change the way I think. Change the way I look at things. Change the way I perceive things. Change the things that I dream, I vision, I goal, I plan, I value, I want. Change it. Renew it. Make it new. Don't let it be old according to this world. Let it be new according to your word, according to your will, according to your purpose, that which worships you and serves you. Let the way that I think be renewed again and again, and again. Let my mind be renewed. If we, if we could just grab that alone, that would begin to transform all of our lives. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for that. Okay, well, let's move on, though. Next point. We put on the new self. We put on the new self. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus said, if we're going to see the kingdom of heaven, if we're going to enter into the kingdom of God, we have to be reborn. There has to become a new, we have to be regenerated, generated from above. There has to become a new us. We said last week that when anyone becomes in Christ, they become a new creation, a new creature. Behold, old things pass away, all things become new. All right. So this is something that God does for us he does in us when we put our faith in Christ. It's not something like you can do yourself. You know, it's not like you can go to Home Depot and buy a new you kit. <laughs> but when we come into Jesus, he makes us a whole new you, all right? But it doesn't do us any good if he gives you a whole new you and you just keep living in the old you. Keep thinking the old way. Keep behaving the old way. And the Bible clearly instructs us here for, for us to, in the process of renewing our mind. In fact, let me just stop for a second and, and clarify something. Have you heard the word, the biblical word called repent? A lot of us kind of have a negative connotation to that. It's a very good word. To repent means exactly this, to change your mind, to renew your mind. You were thinking one way, you were going one way, you were headed in one direction, and when you repent, you turn around and you think a whole nother way. And this is what repentance is. God, God says clearly, if you're going to be saved, you must repent. Confess your sins, repent. Change your life around. And when we change our mind, the next step begins with, all right, if I'm going to start thinking a new way, I need to begin to behave a new way. I need to participate in the process. Yes, God declares it true about me. I've made you clean. I've made you righteous. I've made you holy. I've made you blameless in Christ before me. It's, it's something that he empirically grants upon us by his grace, by his mercy. But then he expects us to live like it, to actually behave like it, to actually conduct our lives in such a way. It, you know, it's not like I accept Jesus, I get perfectly clean, and okay, kill me right now so I don't mess it up. I mean, that'd be, that would be convenient, but that's not his purpose. That's not his plan. He doesn't just say, okay, you got it right, let's go right to heaven. 
No, he puts new life in you and then he sticks you right back into that very same world that he asked you not to be conformed by. He puts you back in it so that you may live in this newness of life and you may begin to reveal the light of God in the midst of a darkness environment, okay? And so we need to take on the responsibility, okay, you've placed this new spirit within me, you've placed this new heart within me, you've placed this new man within me, you've made me to be a new creation, you've caused me to have a renewed mind, now I need to, I need to make the choice, I'm going to put on this new man. I'm going to, it's, it's as if I've taken off the old dirty clothes and I've put on the brand new suit and I choose to put it on. He's not going to force it on you, He's going to invite you to put it on, make the choice to cooperate in the process. Let's look what it says here in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Gentiles there is referring to those who are not the people of God, the people who have not put their faith in the Lord. Okay? In, the, in the Old Testament context, Israel was the people of God, the children of God. All those who were not Israelis were called Gentiles. Today in Christ, it has nothing to do with a, a human race. It has nothing to do with your ethnicity. It has to do with either we're in Christ or out of Christ. It's, this, it's very similar to the same concept. In the world, there's a world system and a world way of thinking. Don't think that way anymore. Don't live that way anymore. This is what he's saying. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. In the futility of their mind. So he's saying the world system and, and anti-Jesus thinking, it's futile. It leads to nowhere. I mean, you may be a schemer and a deceiver and a, you know, uh, uh, be able to work your way through and stomp on people and make a whole lot of money. But ultimately, without Jesus, it's futile. Because it's not eternal life. It's not everlasting life. Okay, So the Gentiles walk in a way that's futile in their minds. They're being darkened in their understanding excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. It's very clear for someone not to respond to, not receive the Lord Jesus Christ, not to receive the Spirit of God, not to obey the truth of the living Word. The Bible calls that ignorance. You're just ignorant. You may think you're the smartest person on the planet, but if you don't know the Spirit of God and you're not having your mind renewed, you're ignorant because you don't know anything. You don't know anything about what's really true and what's real life. Okay? Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardness of their hearts. Okay? They've closed off. They've, they've, they're not pliable. They're not flexible. They're not able to receive. They've, they've set in stone in their thinking what they've already believed and what they've already determined. And they have them become callous. What's a callous? Right? A hardness on, on your flesh, right? Your, your feet, a lot of you, our feet are callous. If we walk to, barefoot a lot of time, we, we, first we get a blister, and then we just, you know, just terrorize the blister and walk on it even more until the place where naturally our flesh becomes hardened, okay? Now, this is talking about a hardness of their heart, a hardness of their spirit, a hardness of their mind, okay? They're ignorant, they're darkened, they have hardness, there's a callousness. They have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. 
which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, verse 23, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Your new set of clothes is not darkness. It's light. It's holiness. It's righteousness. It's truth. The new you has been created in a whole new image. We talked about last week. We, we had a seed of our natural father. It put a DNA in us. It gave us a natural tendency to sin and to rebel. But he's given us a new seed, a new life. The seed is of the Spirit. It's of the fruit of the Spirit. It's of the truth of the Spirit. It's of the life of the Spirit. The whole new you is, is a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living, a whole new kind of life. And we need to choose to put that new life on, okay? Put on the new, new self. Colossians chapter 3, 9 through 11. Very similar type of uh, uh, passage. It talks about this contrast between the old way of thinking, the old way of living, and this new way of living. Verse 9 says this, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. This scripture, and we'll just kind of start with the ending here, gives a beautiful picture that humanity in Jesus has no longer any of the barriers that we as a system, as a world system, do to separate one another. We separate one another based on economic status. We separate one another based on religious status. We separate one another based on ethnicity. Is that a word? I'm not even going to try to say it again. You knew what I meant, right? Your skin color, your hair color, your age, your cultural background in Christ we're all one. The new man is unified in him. And nothing of the old that would separate us in the natural, in this world system, in Jesus, we are all brothers and sisters. We're all members of one another. We are all interrelated and, and there is no distinction. No matter what your background or your history or what brought you to, the, brought you to Christ, when you come into Christ, he is all in all. He is all. Jesus is for all of us. He died for all of us. But look what it says here. When we, we, we're not to lie to one another because the truth is in Jesus. So now, so now, we, get, now we don't have to try to manipulate, deceive, uh, put on this kind of image, this mask to say, well, I don't want you to know the real me. I'm going to put on this me that's the cool me, the me that uh, people would like to know. But I'm not going to tell you about the real me because I'm embarrassed or I'm... No, I, in Jesus, yeah, there's a lot of me that I don't like. There's a lot of me that's flawed. There's a lot of me that just isn't, doesn't measure up. But in Jesus, I've got a brand new start. I've got a brand new beginning. And I don't have to be ashamed of who I am in Jesus. I don't have to be ashamed. So I can be the real me. And I don't have to lie to you. And I don't have to try to deceive you. And I don't have to try to con you. And I don't have to try to put on a show. I can be 
who I am in Christ. And I love you, and you love me, and we grow together, and we are together being renewed. Now, look at that. We've put on the new self who is being renewed. It's not instant pudding. It's not microwave oven kind of stuff. This is something that we will experience for the rest of our lives. We will day by day be renewed. So let's just, let's just take this on. Let's say, all right, I've put on the new mind. I've put on the new self. I'm new in Jesus, and I'm not going to live according to the customs of the world. I'm going to live in truth. I'm going to live in holiness and righteousness and the light, and I blow it, and I stumble, and I sin. Does that mean it's all bets are off, and I failed, and I, and I get thrown away? No, it doesn't. The beauty of this is, behold, I make all things new. And day by day, even when I have a setback, even when I have a failure, even when I fall back, in Jesus, I'm being renewed. Made new again and again and again. We're not talking about reincarnation here, folks. This is not, it's not like that. It's not like you live it out and if you, you, know, you get a score at the end and then you, you know, get recycled. This is not recycling. This is a renewal. This is an uh, all-new you. God shows up in cooperation with His Spirit in you. And every time we see that old man showing up, that we put on that new man and we say, Lord, renew me. I'm in the process of being renewed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on in that process and I'm going to keep on letting you make me new day after day after day, moment by moment, hour by hour if necessary. Is that good? That's good. All right, let's, let's turn the outline over to the back part. It's your next box here. We are renewed in our spirit. We're renewed in our spirit. God is a spirit. His life within us is spiritual. Jesus made it clear. That which is flesh is flesh. That which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. The most real part about you is your spirit. The part of you that's going to live forever is your spirit. We've all admitted our bodies will die. Our, our bodies are failing. But our spirits are being made new moment by moment, day by day, and are everlasting. And he has given us a new spirit. Why has he given us a new spirit? Second part of your feeling here. So that we will serve in newness. And this is the beauty of the fact that we're interrelated to one another. We're the body of Christ. He has called us to serve one another. He didn't give you a brand new start and a brand new new just so that you could look good and feel good about yourself. He gave you a new you so that you could give yourself away. So that you could give of who you are to benefit others. Let's look at what the scripture says here. This is a scripture that we looked at last week, Ezekiel 11, 19 and 20. I will give them one heart. Remember we talked about that? Christ is in all and Christ is all. This was a promise that he made way back in the Old Testament. This was always in the heart of the Father. I'll give them one heart. And I'll put a new spirit within them. And I'll take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and they may keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people and I shall be their God. Now look what it says in the New Testament, Romans chapter 7, verse 6 says this, But now we've been released from the law, having died 
to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. This again is a contrast to where in the old covenant, in the old arrangement, in the old uh, 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 contract between God and people, he says, here's the law, here's the rules, here's the standard, absolute perfection. You fall short of that, you die. Perfect or out, one or the other. But he knew all along, there's no way that we could live up to that. No one ever did. And man always had this sense of separation, of distance. God is perfect and he's high and he's holy in this heaven and his spirit is, is above us and I'm lowly in this flesh and I fail and I, and I fall, fail miserably and I can try to do harder and I can try to obey the words of God and I can try to memorize what he has promised, uh, commanded us and promised to do but every time I fail, I just feel more and more ashamed. I feel more and more bound up. I feel more and more imprisoned to my own flesh, to my own, my own failure. Have you ever felt this way? Feel like you just don't measure up to, to, to life and to God and to what He wants for us? But this is the beauty of the new life. He says, I've set you free from the bondage of the old law, of the old covenant, of the old arrangement. And now it's not you trying to live up to my standard. It's a completely different arrangement. Now it's me inside of you living up to myself. You can't fail because he's the one who's doing it. Now his ordinances, his commands, what he wants to have happen, the perfect will of God, is fulfilled inside of you because he's the one inside of you doing it. You're not doing it anymore. You don't have to measure up to your own standard, your own try, I'm going to try harder, I'm Avis, I'm going to try harder. It's, it's not like that anymore. Now it's, God, you put your spirit in me and you live your life in me. You've put a new heart in me, a new spirit in me, and now I will fulfill your ordinances. I will fulfill your will. I will fulfill your commands. I'll do it your way because it's your spirit in me doing it. So I'm no longer bound by the old letter of the law, but now I can freely serve. I can just give my life away because I can't fail because God's the one doing it in me. Isn't that beautiful? I don't have to worry about, well, I'm sorry, I can't take care of you because I'm working so hard to take care of myself. I can't risk it, you know, giving my life away to you because then I might fail. No, no, no. I can, with absolute liberty, without freedom, I can just give my life away and serve because I'm free from any condemnation. I'm free from any possibility of failing because it's His Spirit now within me. It's His heart within me. I'm not living according to the old law, but I'm serving in the newness of the Spirit, His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. Is that good? Next week we're going to talk about this, uh, this new covenant. The old covenant and the new covenant and, this, and the fact that he's given us a whole new way of thinking, a whole new relating, way of relating to him. We're going to call that renegotiate. You guys are going to like that one. Next, the next part, I promise. Renewed, we are full of faith. Renewed, we are full of faith. To draw near to God and to encourage, to encourage. We are full of faith to draw near to God and encourage. Look what it says here, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. 
We talked about this last week. Remember I called you a new lump? <laughs> Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Just as in fact, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. I thought about this story uh, a little bit this week. And last week we, we reminded us that Christ was our Passover. And the celebration of the Passover, part of the command of the, of the celebration, the night that Israel was set free from Egypt, was they were to go through their, go through their home and take out anything that was leaven, anything that was yeast, anything that would uh, uh, take the process of what they put in bread that would cause the bread to rise when they bake it. It says they are to eat unleavened bread. And, and it, it was a symbol of sin in the camp. It was a symbol of that which puffs up the flesh. And they were to be responding, moving quickly to what God was doing in their lives. Okay? So they were to take out the leaven from their home. They were supposed to, you know, even as part of the ceremony, uh, symbolically they'd go and they would sweep, sweep the house and they'd sweep in the corners and, and the children were to look even in the corners to find little, any, any, any remnants of leaven in the household. Because Christ was the one who was coming and giving them a whole new beginning, making them a whole new loaf of bread, His bread, the Word of God, the bread of life. Okay, and and uh, so He is our Passover, and He has made us He has made us new. It's, it's it's a symbol that He's made us a new beginning. He's renewed us. He's taking out sin from us, and He's caused us to be new in Him. We now live in Christ, our Passover. But I was thinking I uh, about bread because I don't eat it anymore. <laughs> but that's a different story. But I do know in the making of sourdough bread, they do this very thing. They have this thing called the starter. Now, some of you know what this is, right? The starter dough, right? And all sourdough bread is really old, old bread because the way that it works is you got you to take some of the old lump of some sourdough bread that started, you know, like 7,000 years ago and you, and you add it to a new batch, okay? And that's what actually the, the yeast and the, the component and the bacteria and whatever's in sourdough makes it to be sourdough in this wonderful, <laughs> delicious bread that's made out of it. But you got to start with the old lump. I'm saying all that to say this. The new you... It's not sourdough. You're not sour. You're not sourdough. You're not from an old batch. You're not from an old lump. You're not from something that just was handed down from grandmother's cupboard, you know, 100 years ago. He's made you brand new. A new life. A new beginning. Isn't that beautiful? New, improved, renew, a brand new creation. Titus 3, 5 says, He has saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. He has washed us. He's renewing us. He will wash us again and renew us again. And the Holy Spirit is constantly, Behold, I am making all things new. This is the heart of the Father. But here's our last scripture for this evening. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 19 and 21, it says this. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us, before he went to the cross, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He initiated it. He started it. It's a living way. Our way to God, our access to God is through Him 
is through life, okay? It's through a living way, all right? Which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, okay? And so this is an imagery of the temple. The tabernacle and then the temple was built. And it was, it was, a, uh, it was actually a, uh, a three-roomed system. There was what was called the outer courts. This was the place where people would come. The sacrifices were made in the outer courts. And... Um, and people would, we could come and pray. Then inside the temple itself was a was called the holy place, and that's where priests would be able to go. And there was uh, the the table of showbread, and this was the bread, the fresh bread that was brought, offered up before God all the time. There's this image again where a new lump or a new loaf of bread. God always had fresh bread in the temple every single day. Loaves of bread. Uh, have you ever smelled freshly baked bread? Yeah. I don't eat bread anymore, so I don't get to enjoy that. But. But God likes freshly baked bread. It was part of the worship experience. And so in the, in the holy place was freshly break, baked bread. There was this candlestick where there was fresh oil and the, and the, and the uh, seven-tiered candlestick, the menorah, was lit at all times, okay? And that represented uh, uh, people, the light of the world and the presence of God and, and the word of God and the worship of God. And then there was this, this altar of incense. There was this place where they would take a hot coal and they'd take this perfume mixture of oil and they'd pour the oil over this hot coal and it would sizzle and it would create smoke and it would create this perfumed smoke that represented the prayers of the people and the priest would wave this and he would stand behind before this, this very thick veil and he'd wave this censer and the smoke would fill this place, this holy place, and he was representing the prayers of the people. And, and the holy place was filled with this aroma, the fresh baked bread lit by the candles and this perfumed anointing oil that was on fire with smoke. But once a year, the high priest was allowed to wave this censer and then go beyond this curtain, this veil, into the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies was the box, which was the Ark of the Covenant. And he was to bring a blood sacrifice and sprinkle blood on the Ark as an offering for the sins of people. And he was representing God to the people and people to God. And there was a day of atonement, one day a year, the day of atonement, where the high priest would be able to go into the Holy of Holies. Nobody ever went into that chamber except for that one time a year. The Bible, what it's referring to here is Jesus made a way for us to go beyond the veil into the holiest of holy places, into the very presence of God because he sacrificed his blood. And now, with confidence because of what he did for us, his blood cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We're not sinful anymore. Now we're as if we are the high holy priest on the day of atonement, be able to come in in the presence of the worship of of God's people into the holy place. And we went through that, that barrier, that curtain, that veil through his flesh. His flesh was that which, which broke the separation between God and man when he died on the cross. Isn't that beautiful? And we now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We now are the temple of God. We are the presence of God, the place of worship of God. He's not built, he, God doesn't live in buildings made with man's hands. He lives in these buildings. We are the temple of God. That's what God has always been after is a tabernacle of worship and that tabernacle to be people. 
And we are now. And so, so he's saying that Jesus took that which was a physical temple and he turned us into the temple of God. And now we can enter into that holy of holy places through the veil because of what Jesus did in his flesh. Isn't that beautiful? Since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. That's that image of that, of that blood being sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. These words are faithful and true. Verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing. He's saying now because of what Jesus did for us, he's given us a new life. He's given us a new and living way to boldly, with confidence, not shirk back from God, not withdraw from God, not when we have a failure or a setback or a sin, we say, oh man, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hide out and I'm not going to go to church for a month or two and then people will forget what I did and then I'll, I'll sneak back in the back door. No, he's saying, don't, don't fall into that anymore. He's made you new. He's paid the price. Come boldly. Come with confidence. Draw near to him and encourage one another. It doesn't do us any good. Well, it's just me and Jesus. I'm going to worship him, but I'm going to go up in a mountain. I'm going to be all by myself, and I'm not going to hang out with those dirty, filthy, rotten other Christians. No. No, if I'm going to draw near to the throne of God, if I'm going to enter in boldly to what he's created us, I'm going to have to do it with you. And he's always going to draw us back to that. The closer you draw to God, the closer you draw to God, the closer you're going to draw to one another. The more time we spend with each other and encouraging one another and loving each other, the, the more confident, the more bold, the more full of faith, the more full of assurance, the drawing to God, the nearness to God, our intimacy with God is going to be reflected in the way that we relate to one another. Jesus said it this way, they're going to know you're, you're my disciples by what? The way you love one another. Mm-hmm. There isn't this kind of mystical, well, it's just me and Jesus, and spiritually I worship Him in my mind. Yes, we need to renew our minds. But we need to draw together, encourage one another, and when we do that, we're actually drawing closer to God with confidence, with full assurance of faith. So folks, thank you for showing up tonight. Thank you for giving your life and opening your life and serving one another and encouraging one another. Loving one another. Because that is how we're going to be renewed. We're going to renew each other and we're going to encourage one another and we're going to uh, stimulate one another to love and good works as we encourage one another. And more and more as we grow closer and closer to that day when we will all be together in heaven with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've made us new. You've made us new creation in your spirit. But you didn't just stop there. It wasn't just a one-time occasion. The promise of the presence of your Spirit is that we are renewed day by day. That our minds are being renewed and we are being transformed. That yes, you've made us holy and blameless, spotless, righteous, 
saved, redeemed. And we stand before you without condemnation, without guilt, without blame because of what you did for us, Jesus. But Lord, we're not going to just let that just be something that we understand intellectually. We want to experience it. We want to live it. We want to actually have our lives display the change, the new life that you place within us. So Lord, tonight we, with faith, with hope, with belief, in obedience, we choose to put on a new man. We choose to put in a new mind. We choose to receive the new spirit, the new heart. We draw near to you by gathering together and encouraging one another, by serving one another in newness of spirit. Lord, may our lives reflect what you paid the ultimate price. Not that we would withdraw from one another, but would draw near to one another, that you may live in us and through us, and that Christ may be seen in all of us as your precious sons and daughters, as the temple of your Holy Spirit, as the light of the world, as the testimony and the witness to a perverse, broken, crooked generation, as the force that brings about the renewal and the salvation of this world system because you gave us new life and you sent us to the world that we may overcome, that we may reveal you, that your glory may fill the earth. Do it tonight in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.